What is up, guys, and welcome to another episode of Guarani Vision, the first ever podcast dedicated to Paraguayan football in English. As always, I'm Roberto Rojas, and joining me are my two great co-hosts, Federico Perez and Maria Britos. And guys, it's it's hard to believe that in just the span of a week, a lot can happen, and it is typical of what we see here in Paraguay, but we do have a big super classico that we need to talk about. A lot has happened ever since that game. We'll also talk about what this means for one club in particular that are battling out a, a Copa Libertadores competition, while the other one is trying to figure out what's going to happen to them in their future until they get their Libertadores campaign starting. We also got some Suamericana games starting off today with some teams in Paraguay taking on each other to see who has the the, the potential to go far in that competition. But, oh man, I mean, Fed, I'll go to you on this one. I mean, talk about in the last, I'd say, three, four days, a lot has happened. And it, it almost feels like, yeah, we only have like a couple, at least maybe an hour to get through it. But I feel like, man, it's it could be talked about for hours if we had to, but we we're going to limit to ourselves. I mean, what a what a huge super classico that we saw at Parauno the other weekend, and and of course what that meant for one club's result, which I think for all of us here we didn't expect it at all. Yeah, it wasn't really uh, a surprise to see Julio Casas uh, leave Olympia after the super classico. That's what happened right after this two. To the two tie uh, between Cerro Porteño and, and Olympia, the clash down, it was a show down. I mean, uh, it was a really good game. Uh, just in general, I think if we're just going to talk about the game itself, yeah, we could be here the whole episode because a lot happened during the match. There was a lot of bar interaction also, and and the ref really had a lot of a lot of work on him. So so yeah, obviously we got to talk about some players that that really stood out, some players that would look like the brilliance of the of the Super Classico also, Miguel Martinez getting sent off for Cerro Porteño. That was a, a big game changer when he got the red card. Yeah, we, we definitely got to break this one down, Roberto, because it, it is one of those games that it, it clearly is a before and after, right? Because before Olympia looked really strong at the beginning of the year and after these last three games, not just the Super Classico, Olympia lost against Trinidense, they tied against Guaidenia at home, and they couldn't beat Cerro Porteño at home. They were losing two zip most of the match. So uh, uh, clearly, this uh, was was put on, on on top of the table when they discussed it with with Julio Cáceres after the game, and and clearly they were seeing eye to eye. That's why they let him go. And now we got to see who Olympia is going to bring uh, in his place. Who they're going to give the job to? We. Teams uh, making it big, maybe for themselves. We definitely got to talk about who might uh, be a surprise there. And some of those teams are not really doing good in, in the local league. So we'll see if they can totally uh, change it around in the Sudamericana this week. Uh, Cerro Porteño also has Libertadores. And the women's game is also back uh, after what we saw and after what we talked about a couple of episodes ago with the national team, with the women's national team playing for their chance at the World Cup. Uh, unfortunately, that didn't end up happening. The local league is back in action or it, it has has started for the 2023 season and happy to see the girls back in action. We got some really good teams, a lot of signings, uh, a lot of the girls that left the country, they went to really big clubs and we'll see how, how the big teams uh, accessorize this situation. Uh, we always have our favorites and I don't think it's going to get out of that way this season either, Roberto. 
No, absolutely it's not. I think we always see that uh, time and time again in this season. And I want to go to my knee on this one because I think certainly, you know, for something like an Olympia, we're going to obviously keep uh, in in our conversation with Olympia for now, but then also talk about the Super Classico as a whole. I think this comes really at a bad time, I would say, because obviously, yeah, you, you know, you, they're not exactly going into the start of the season very well, you know, even with the 2-2 draw. It didn't help them at all. I mean, the fact that they're still in fifth place and they're really behind Alirata's side, who got the win against Trinidense. You know, that was one of the games that everyone was looking forward to outside of the Super Classico because it was two teams that were fighting it off at the top of the league. Libertad get the win there. Now they've extended their gap even more. So for Olympia's case, I mean, it feels like this is coming at a, at a wrong time. But also, I feel like, you know, if it comes in this, if this is made like right now, at least it's being done before the start of the group stage of the Earth Hours, which will begin, I think, next month, if I'm not mistaken. So for them to make this change, you know, it was definitely likely, but at least for me, and I think for a lot of people here, we I didn't expect that a draw like this, you know, especially in a Super Classico, would be deemed a, a sackable offense, because I think what we saw there was a, a, an Olympia side that came back and, and did well to think that, yeah, this team doesn't give up. But I think for some, those, the uh, directors of Olympia, they're like, maybe this wasn't good enough. And then the results beforehand thought, yeah, we need to get rid of this guy as soon as possible before it gets even worse. Yeah, definitely. It's, it was a shocking news for everyone, especially for Olympia fans and, and pretty much everyone that, that follows um, Paraguayan soccer. Um, you know, I, I think it was something uh, that was probably already in the books for uh, the administration. Um, uh, there was, you know, talks of, of Julio Cesar Cáceres, um, uh, you know, um, tweeting and, and, and putting posting and, and, and you know, just uh, writing all these weird um, secret messages online that suggested that he was probably already um, like he probably already saw this coming. So um, it was definitely a weird timing for for them to do this because yes, David, they they haven't won a game in three matches, I would say. Um, but I don't think that it's a sackable offense to to you know a, a game after the Super Classico, a Super Classico. You know, it's it's it was a big game, and you know, obviously you wanna you wanna come out the strongest uh, team there, but. They ended up, um, you know, um, tying, and we all thought that, you know, in, the, in our last episode, we all thought that it was going to be a tight game, that it was going to be, you know, uh, ending up uh, tying. So, to me, I, I think that um, it was it, they could have probably waited a little longer if they were thinking, or could have done it earlier if they were thinking about already sacking him. But honestly, I, I don't think that it was. Um, it was it was worse for for them to let him go just yet. Um, you know they they have big games coming up, like you said, Libertadores, and 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 it's gonna be it's it's gonna be a tough one again. Like what what Cerro Porteño has been going through uh, after um, after Chiquiarte's, uh, uh left. So um, we'll see what happens to them. Um, it's it's gonna be a tough one, I think, for for Olympia. Um, I don't know who they can put it to, to replace him right now. There's been talks about, who, um, um, there's been talk about 
uh, Tiki Arce as well to to come in and and replace him. That's crazy to me. I mean, I I don't know that that rarely ever happens in, in soccer. You know, uh, uh, a manager comes and plays for uh, sorry comes and and takes over for their um, arch rival after a while. So it's crazy. It's just it's just dramatic Paraguayan uh, soccer, and I and I love it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Absolutely love it. Yeah. And then also the, we'll talk about the possible managers as well. I mean, Chiqui has managed Olympia before. And, and so this isn't something that it's a case of loyalty. It, it happens all the time. So it's uh, definitely not surprising. But yeah, we'll get into that in a bit. But we'll talk about what actually happened on the pitch at Parauna. Obviously, we saw Olympia take on Cerro Porteño in the first game of the um, the, the basically the first Super Clásico of the season taking place at the Estadio Manuel Ferreira at Parauno, a game that, you know, really was controlled by Olimp uh, by Cerro Porteño really on. First on, they scored in the 43rd minute, goal from Alberto Espinola, followed into a second goal in the 65th minute by Claudio Aquino from a penalty. But it was after that that everything started to fall out for uh, Cerro Porteño. In the 72nd, Miguel Martinez, who actually is obviously coming in, if for people that don't know, came in for the replacement of Jean Fernandez, the, the, the regular starter who's actually injured at the moment. He comes in and has been, you know, a bit kind of inconsistent in performances so far, not exactly having his, his high, you know, remarks and, and definitely his praise but he's made a foolish mistake right there in the 72nd minute where he used his hands outside of the box obviously a goalkeeper can't do that and therefore he was of course sent off in comes for his first ever game in a super classico jose Mieres, a 22 year old goalkeeper who's been in cedro's books but had never played a first team game beforehand now is given the responsibility to hold a 2-0 lead in his first ever game in a super classico i mean talk about drama and then olympia go in and and, and charge forward 76 minute uh alejandro silva scores and and then a a foul in the box from Mieres to to Olimpia saw Deris Gonzalez score in the 86th minute to snatch a point for each two sides. I mean, Fede, we'll go to you on this one. I mean, how can we assess such a, a dramatic Super Classico in just a short amount of time? I mean, we saw it all. We saw the red cards. We saw a Cerro Porteño side that I think ultimately dominated this entire game. And I think if you are a Cerro fan, I think you'd feel disappointed, not just because of the fact that you obviously conceded a 2-0 lead, but also because you just played so, so well and you, you know, were better of your rivals, especially when you're playing, you know, um, outside of, of, of your home ground. I mean, I, I think if you're a Cedro fan, I'd feel frustrated. And, and I think if you're an Olympia fan, you could also feel very frustrated because you think like, how on earth can this happen when we've been such a, a good side from home? And, and, you know, for, for both these sides, like I said, I think, you know, this is certainly not a good result for either of them, especially, like I said, with the Libertad win, you know, giving them the advantage to extend themselves even further to win the league title. I mean, what are your thoughts on all this? And, you know, what, what can we take away from any team really now looking forward into the rest of the season? Well, let's keep in mind that when both teams uh, face each other, you know, they were thinking about winning. I mean, uh, for, for either of these teams, a, a draw was going to be a good result because of the distance that was already there with Libertad that had to play on Sunday. So, so obviously we're going to see a fun match. And uh, I, I think I said it last time around when we were going to see a lot, a lot of goals and we ended up having four on this one. I think it could have even had be, I think either team could have won it right there at the end because it was just, it was, it was just a battlefield in those last minutes, right? It was pretty much from box to box, both teams having opportunities. 
but yeah, if we got to break it down, I mean, that first half, I, I think I, I think Olympia was surprised by that high pressure of Cerro Porteño taking the ball away from the defense constantly, having problems. Olympia did not resolve that situation. So yeah, just like you were saying, Roberto, Cerro looked better. Cerro was playing better. They deserved that lead when when that first half was was ending, and they got that goal. Uh, and and I think they, they really deserve that situation. Uh, Olympia wasn't doing much, especially their stars. You were waiting to see something out of Derlis Gonzalez, but you saw Cerro Porteño's side that was really strong because it was the same team that had been playing in Libertadores. Uh, a lot of people were think they, thinking that the coach was going to mix it up, that he was going to bring players that, that were kind of rested, but that wasn't the situation. This was pretty much the same team that had played just a couple of go days ago against Curicó, Unido, and I think that was an advantage for Cerro Porteño, and they were hungry, Roberto. I mean, this team did not do good. The players did not do good. They, they didn't have a good time against Olympia last, last time around, last year, around last season. And I think they, they kind of they, they, they kind of owed it to themselves. And, and you can see that they were hungry for that situation, right? To, to try to take uh, uh, to try to take the Super Classic, go back home, and, and to get the big results. That's why I think they, they were the team that, that looked better on pitch. But, but yeah, it, it, it was a problem when Miguel, when, 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 when Miguel Martinez got sent off. That, that changed the whole situation for Cerro Porteño. And, and Olympia really changed it with themselves. I mean, they have experience right there in, in the bench, right? They brought Antolina Caras, 40 years old. They put a, a line of just three defenders, and they were just throwing the ball up, up there with Richard Ortiz taking over for that midfield. Uh, that was somewhere where, where Cerro was really strong pretty much all, all, all match around. But when Richard Ortiz came in, you can see that he was very precise with the ball and especially giving it to Lerlis Gonzalez, leaving him one-on-one. -on -one. That's how the situation of, of for, for Miguel Martinez' uh, decision and the red card came about also. Uh, that was pretty much the only opportunity we saw Lerlis Gonzalez uh, get. Before that one, I mean, Patino and Baez were all over him. He, he wasn't getting pretty much anything in, in front of Miguel Martinez. So uh, that really changed it up. And then you had Breda. Uh, Breda was the big signing for Olympia. We talked about him at, at the first episodes when the opportunity was starting. He could he could be the star of this team. He he was called upon to be the goal maker and uh, the big striker. And he lost his spot to to not, I wouldn't say he lost he lost the spot to another player because I don't think Brian Montenegro did much to take the spot away from him. But he just wasn't br bringing enough to the team uh, as a player. Uh, Breda. Uh, to to or to keep that spot right to keep that starting spot and he came in the he came in the in the in in this match really well he was he was pretty much unstoppable uh, uh, on those air balls and they had uh, several Porteño had to bring in Eduardo Brock to kind of uh, change it up to kind of solve that situation but it was kind of late uh, Olympia was already had done their damage they got a, they got another penalty and it was a tie and I think. Looking at the match itself, each team had its moment. Yeah, maybe Cerro Porteño had more, more, more moments in the in the match where they looked better. Uh, Olympia, this is this was their third match not winning, so you could see that something was not okay in this team. Maybe even in the locker room. That that's why now we have the news that the that, that the coach was sacked. There's versions that he was that he was the one that ended up quitting when when they told him that they were gonna let him go. Um, he wanted to leave like a champion. Uh, he, he did a really good job, I believe, of building this team of Olympia, but it was not easy to keep it. It was not easy to uh, keep it stable this year. And, 
And and they they had signings Roberto this year, so I think they they took that bar a little higher. They were waiting for a, a, a team to be a much stronger uh, after six games, and they did not get that against Cerro Porteño. Cerro looked better, maybe they deserved it a little bit more, but it was a two-two draw. We still got more classicals on the way this year. Yeah, it was definitely one of those games that that Olympia could have done better. Um, you know, they 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 had been. You know, not well in the in the defensive side, like we mentioned last time around. Um, and like you said, Fede, they didn't work on it. Um, they showed a lot of, um, they didn't show improvement in that area, which is why, you know, they were pretty much losing the game um, towards the end of the game. Um, and I think it was mostly luck, the fact that they ended up uh, tying. Um, I'm not too sure if they actually deserved the tie uh, because they didn't play as well as they could have. Um, yeah, uh, Cerro, you know, came hungry and, and they wanted to win so that. And, you know, that's the difference when you see a team that is dedicated and, 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 and is ready to, to, to give the results that they, 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 they need, especially for a big game like this. Um, I'm not sure what happened to Olympia there. Um, they were a little bit lucky, you know, with both of the, with the red card and then the penalty. So, um, if it wasn't for that, I don't think they they they, they would have lost. They would have lost definitely for sure. So so um, a lot of improvement needs to be done. I'm not sure what they're gonna do now. You know, with their new um, in, interim uh, coach. Um, hopefully, you know, they focus on on the the bats and and the the stuff that they couldn't figure out beforehand. Um, we'll see what happens with them. Um, I think it's going to be a rough time for Olympia coming on right now. Um, the the game was obviously, um, you know, you could see that there's some rough patches that they gotta that they gotta work on. That that this is uh, the time to to do it. You know, now with a new coach, maybe it's a new beginning for um, for Olympia. But yeah, th that game was definitely that will you know, with like, what, what are you guys doing? You know, and, 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 and it, it was frustrating for a lot of people, frustrating, especially at home, you know, to, to be defeated, um, you know, uh, in the field like that. Uh, you had the results, but you were honestly defeated, um, you know, in the game. So definitely um, something that, that they uh, have to, uh, working for the next game, we'll see what happens. But um, I wasn't too too happy with the results. I did say that it was going to be um, a tie, and but I I thought it was going to be more intense. I thought it was going to be more leveled um, in terms of uh, playing qual quality, and and I didn't see that. So we'll see. We'll see guys. We definitely will see. And obviously this comes, of course, with the sacking of Julio Cesar Cáceres, the manager of Olympia. Uh, just looking at some of the stats here, it actually has some really good numbers. You know, Julio Cesar Cáceres from an interim manager, you know, someone with little to no experience. He managed 77 games of those 77 games. He's won 43 of them, uh, drew 15 and lost 19. And so that's like a 62% efficiency rate. 
and he's won the Copa Paraguay. He won the Supercopa back in 2021, and he won the Clausura. So three titles in, in two years when you're battling out with the likes of Cerro, Libertad, Guarani, and so on is, is really good when you think about it, Fede. But, you know, I'm curious to see what happens now because certainly there had been some rumors. Yes, uh, Maria had mentioned it beforehand. The name of Chiqui Arce has been going back. He obviously had his his uh, his experience at Olympia. He won uh, as a manager over there as well. Um, there had been also talks about Juan Pablo Cumpido, you know, the former Ameliano manager as well. So this is this is going to be interesting to see how Olympia go forward. I don't know if they're going to go for a really big name, you know, certainly at least big in the in the sense of of, you know, managers from outside of Paraguay. I mean, there had been some rumors of Miguel Angel Ramirez, the, the former manager of Independiente del Valle, who won in Ecuador, the Sudamericana. So I'm curious to see what will happen to them, Fede, because I think, you know, Similar to what Cedro has done in getting rid of Chiqui Arce, bringing in a manager like Facundo Sapa, who obviously had no experience managing in Paraguay, but obviously had his experience working elsewhere. Do you feel that maybe Olympia should go through that route? Should they continue to go local or or even, you know, I don't want to say that this is the case of what happened with Julio Cesar Casas could be the same for the, the interim manager uh, Aitor Garcia. But, you know, what, what do you feel as if though for an Olympia standpoint, I'd like to hear what Maria thinks as well just how they can manage their next their entire season especially with Libertad is coming up in a few weeks as well yeah it's not an easy team to handle at all it's one of the biggest teams here in Paraguay the pressure is always on for the fans on this team and and that locker room is not easy either Roberto I mean Julio Cáceres did that transition from being a player retiring and and becoming that that second uh, team coach that reserve team coach and then he got made that leap to to becoming the first team coach so so he pretty much knew all these players he played with them on those last years as he was retiring so he was pretty much friends with all of them Devlis uh, Gonzalez the captain of this team Richard Ortiz which who he had to sit down pretty much these last couple of days they uh these last couple of games that, that must have that must have been a, a hard situation to handle uh, uh, you know, and, and and all these problems that we were talking about, the defense, the midfield, and and not and not getting the right pieces or the, or the right opportunities for Facundo Breda, which was your big signing, and then the results weren't coming along either. You lost the Super Cup at the beginning of the year. This was their third game that they couldn't that they couldn't win. I mean, there were enough reasons to let him go, but I just thought that they were going to respect him a little more. You know, he's a young Paraguayan coach. I think a lot of people were, are feeling that also, that maybe if it was a, a, a big a, a coach from, from from outside of the country, if it was an, an Argentinian coach or a Brazilian coach, they, they would have they would have hanged on a little bit more. They would have seen where the team was going. Uh, they didn't give him any more time. So there's I think there's, there's people that are on one side and there's people that are on the other side. There were a lot of people that were criticizing him because not having a, a style of play and uh, being so clear after two years of being on on the job, so I think the next coach is going to have a, a, a real task ahead of him. I mean, he has a team that already knows each other, that already knows how to play, but they, he he's got to take it to the next level, and he's got to take it to the next level with the signings that they made at the beginning of the year that were okay signings, not the biggest signings that Olympia has has made along their history. Uh, but just how far can Olympia really expect to go in this Libertadores? When Olympia plays Libertadores, that, that's where their fans' heads are. And uh, yeah, this opportunity is really getting out of their hands. I and mean, Libertad just keeps on winning, so it looks even harder and harder to catch up. They still got to play against Libertad, but they got to bring in a coach that knows his stuff. 
I, I think Fernando Huber is, is a good uh, is a good coach. He's available. Chiqui Arze is always a, a good uh, is always a good opportunity to to bring him back. He he did a great job when he was managing this team and even in the middle of a, of a crisis also. So uh, we'll, we'll see just just which way they end up going. But I do think they're going to go with a local a local coach just because the league has already started. And they got to rebuild pretty much everything. I mean, Julio Cáceres uh, took everybody with him. Uh, only Ayrton Garcia has, has been left behind. And he was brought by the front office. He wasn't part of the team that was working with Julio Cáceres. That's why he took the job on. They even wanted to keep uh, Eduardo Palo Rosso uh, working for the club. But he, he resigned also he, because he was brought by Julio Cáceres. Uh, I, I really thought that Julio Cáceres had a lot in front of him. I thought he was going to be on the, on the job for a while still. But, hey, uh, you know, this is Paraguayan football. It just doesn't surprise you one game, and it, it changes around very quickly, especially for the managers. We've seen it ever since week two, I believe, when we, when we saw the first uh, manager being sacked. So, so yeah, we'll see where, where Julio Cáceres goes now, Roberto, also, because Julio Cáceres, just like I was saying, he's a, he's a very young coach. He did a very good job. In Olympia, he, he played in Brazil. He played in Argentina. So I don't think he's going to have trouble finding a new spot also for his job. As for Olympia, they only have a month to get their stuff together. If not, those stands are going to start to look empty. Though. If this team is not playing for championship level, if this team is not playing for the first spots, I mean, it's going to look really bad for this team. This, this, this team was built for a championship, and they look really far from it right now. Uh, yeah, I, I think it was a, a year and almost a year om, and almost a half uh, that he was uh, there, and he was already the second most successful coach in 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 the in the club. So it was definitely um, you know something a little shocking for everyone to to hear. Um, and I, I think um, I would I would like also a, a local um, coach to continue on uh, with Olympia. But you know they they do have a lot of big names um, attached to them right now. Um, I even saw just now that Tata Martino was one of the rumors. So we'll see. Maybe you know it could be also a good um, if they if they really want to um, you know win big again and and you know do everything that they promised that they were gonna do. Then someone big like that could could be a solution. Um, you know, uh, but. It, it 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 is tougher, you know, for an outsider to come and 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 take over, you know, a, a team that's already established right now and it's already almost mid, uh, midway into the season. So, um, we'll see. There's a lot of pressure for the club right now in 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 all in, in all kinds of of, of ways, you know, in all senses. So I I don't know. It's it's gonna be uh. A rough couple of weeks, I think, for for them. Um, but the main thing for them is to just um, continue doing their thing. They're they're gonna be playing against Nacional uh, this weekend, so hopefully they get a win there. Um, I do hope that I do think that they could make uh, a, a, a get a win this time around. Um, but like I said, it's this is Paraguayan soccer, and you never know what's gonna happen. So uh, everything is on the on the on the cards right now for for this for this team. Um, you know they're back in they're back into into the the rough 
uh, days and and I think that it's just you know a little bump in the road um, you know they always come back and and make things work and and look at look at what happened to Cerro you know second second week of of the the season and and Tigiasi was was sacked and they're they're here they're strong and then they're and they're showing everyone that it's possible so I think that Olympia can 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 do it it's going to be a little rough on them for now It'll be, it is going to be difficult. I mean, certainly, obviously, the game, I think, in about a couple of weeks, the game against Libertad that we'll talk about later on in a future episode, that's going to be the big one. I think that's the big game there because certainly that can indeed decide the title there and there, or it could lead into another title race. Like I said, Libertad currently in first place with 16 points, a five point gap between them and Guarani, who also won. And Guarani are sneaking up there. We'll talk about them soon in a future episode as well about how they're sneaking up there. But you know, certainly, I think for both Olympia and Cedro's case, you know, they definitely need to get their winning ways from the get go because, you know, I, I think it's looking likely with that's title again. I mean, yeah, we're only six games in, it's only a third of the season, but, you know, I think assessments could be made early on that Libertad haven't lost a single game yet. So, yes, Cedro Bartania also haven't lost a single game yet, but they've also had more draws in them. So it is likely that the season could indeed turn its side a bit more and you know Gagne Ganero knows how to win titles like that um so it, it could indeed decide that way and for Olympia's case yeah I mean they've, they've dealt with this before they dealt with much worse so they they have that kind of like expertise on how to deal with this type of drama it's in their kind of their DNA and so we're gonna have to wait and see what they can do if they can make things interesting in this league race and certainly with the Lirata Ordes coming up as well, as actually want to switch gears to the big game for the Paraguayan side in the Lirata Ordes. Before we do that, though, there is Sudamericana. We will mention we got Guarani taking on Sportivo Almeriano um, tomorrow at the time of recording. And today, Tacuari taking on Hedel Caballero of Juan Leon Mayarquin. Four sides, you know, who have made it to the Lirata, to the Sudamericana first stage. Obviously, the teams taking on each other in this first stage are always the teams within the same country. So definitely keep an eye on what's been going on with those two teams as we'll talk about them soon. But obviously the mention today is obviously what's going to ha- be happening on Thursday at the Castellao in Fortaleza as Cerro Bertrand travel to Brazil to take on the aforementioned team. This is an interesting one, Fede, because like we mentioned beforehand, this is the kind of stage where, you know, someone like for Cuencundo Saba, who I think, you know, should feel as if though, a bit buoyed of what we saw in the Super Classico, feeling that you know something like that shouldn't happen in a game like um, against Fortaleza. So this is definitely one to obviously look into. And I just want your thoughts on how you can assess this game for Facundo Sanda for Cedro, and if it's possible for them to steal some sort of result in Brazil, which for Paraguayan sides it's become very difficult to get that. Yeah, and this is going to be one of those matches where we're going to see if Cerro Porteño is going to go all out with with with, with what we saw against Olimpo, with what we saw against Curico Unido, the, uh, a team that wanted the ball more than its opponent and, and wanted to propose uh, and wanted to have more opportunities. They, they really took the ball away pretty much uh, in, in these last couple of games. That's something that Saba has clearly been working on, the possession, the attacking football. He wants a big team. Uh, to look that way, right? Like, like it's the big team. And if you look at Fortaleza, yeah, they, they got a pretty interesting fan base, but they're not a huge team in Brazil. So maybe they'll play like the small team in this series also, but they're going to try to get something at home. So this is where the challenge is ahead of, I believe, for the Cerro Porteño, right? Against the Brazilian team, 
uh, these teams play at a high pace and, and they're going to make you run for it. And Cerro Porteño has been running a lot. That's why I was thinking that against Olympia, he was going to change it up a bit, that he was going to look at the players that were tired, maybe let them rest. But since the match is on Thursday, they played on Saturday against Olympia. So they, so apparently in the coach's head, it's enough time for the players to get 100%. And if they get John back at, at the goalkeeper position, which is vital, I believe, in this point, after what we saw, especially from Miguel Martinez in these three games where he had trouble against Huayrena, he had trouble against Olympia. Uh, he, we pretty much didn't see him against Curico Unido because Curico Unido didn't do much in both matches, but... Uh, you're going to need John now. You're going to need that Brazilian uh, goalkeeper that knows Brazilian strikers, that know, that's not going to have problems with the atmosphere where they're going to play this, this, first, this first match. So uh, Cerro needs all their players. Cerro needs all the power that they can get. And, and they're going to need, I believe, some help also from the bench, Roberto, that, that they're not getting lately. You're not seeing the best from Brian Samudio. He's getting all the chances. He's not doing anything with it. He didn't do anything with, with the opportunity, those minutes that he had again in the Super Classico. He had a big opportunity to make a big play, and he just stumbled again with the ball. Same thing against Curico Unido a couple of games ago. He's been coming in, but not making a difference, not doing much in the team. And then you have players like Antonio Galeano that have been hitting the door lately, that, ha that have been getting more game time. Will Vieira has earned the spot in the midfield. So there are players that are taking advantage of your opportunities. And I think it's going to be on the coach to really manage the situation correctly and give the players that are deserving the, the opportunity to play a little bit more. Marcelo Moreno Martins is coming in. He's not doing anything either. So you're going to have to end these games with uh, maybe Morales and Turin. You're going to have to play them maybe your full 90 minutes because the subs you're putting in, they, they seem to have the quality. They have the resume, but they're not bringing it into the pitch. So I, I think Cerro is going to have to bring it against Fortaleza straight away or at least come alive and, and, and try to knock this team out in La Olla Sugrana next week. Uh, I think that's also a big possibility, maybe maybe a tie. But I, I, I'm expecting Cerro to keep being the big team, Roberto. I, I'm expecting for Cerro Porteño to go out on, on every pitch and try to get the, the big result. I, I think that's what Facundo Saba is also bringing uh, lately to the squad, the winning mentality, which I'm seeing from Cerro Porteño in these first games. And Maria, I wanted to go to you on this one because I think if Cerro are able to get a good result in Brazil, I do fear how the pressure might come in the next game over there at Manoa Oya. Yes, I think it's for me, I think it's always good to play your home, your first games at away from home because that way you have a chance to obviously, you know, home field advantage and that kind of thing. But I just worry that maybe for some of these guys, and you know, Soto Pretenio have always had their, these underwhelming performances sometimes, that maybe the pressure gets into them because we've seen how they play. There is that winning mentality that Facundo Sava is trying to get. But I am going to be a bit curious about like how some of these players, like you said, like Moreno Martin, Samudio, you know, many players who really haven't been able to step up to show that they're good enough. I just, I fear that maybe the pressure is just going to be too much for them in the next game. But again, I think that's the, that's the beauty of sport that anything can happen, but that's just my fear about like how some how sometimes these teams just might be too pressured, especially with the fans all coming at you, trying to expect much, much more from, from you. You know, I, I think uh, when it comes to Libertadores, it's always pressure, no matter what. Uh, but I think they do have some good advantages, advantages, uh, advantages, 
sorry, um, to them this time around. You know, they they're they are going to play um, home on the way back, so it, that helps a lot. Um, regardless, they have to have a good result um, away. Um, and Brazil playing in Brazil is you know it's very tough no matter who you play. Um, you know they're they are pretty much the the kings of uh, of, of Libertadores and Sudamericana. So. Um, there's there's that in the back of their heads, I'm sure. Um, but I think they they do have some good advantage. Um, they they uh, they have a good team on on their hands. You know, they although they they tied in the Super Clasico, they're coming from pretty much a, a win for them. You know, um, playing wise in the field, they like I said, they 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 won the game, um, and and they can continue doing that. And and now they have um, the return of, of of Jean Fernandez, which is great for them. Um, it's going to help out a lot, I think. And um, just just playing with with the, the mentality of winning, you know, does a lot of wonders. Um, like like Feather was saying, um, you have to have that kind of um, talk with your team because what's what's a coach, you know, for if you don't have someone cheering you on like 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 you're supposed to as a coach you know not not just um telling you what to do but also giving you that that talk that that uh confidence that you need before you step into the field so for me I think um yes it's it's very tough and and you know playing um for for um playing away from home and and also, the the match, uh, one of the faces before the group stage is also very um, stressful in this situation. But I think that they have been improving, that they, they've been showing a lot of improvement in the field. And, and I really like the Cerro Porteño um, team right now. Um, they they have shown that no matter what, you know, the, the, the circumstances that they are going, that they have gone through, um, they can come back and and they might not you know do well in 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 the in the apertura but they could do and they could have some good uh, results in the libertadores and i and i think that they're going to make it far um in in this competition it's going to be very much an, an interesting tie that we'll look forward to obviously the game kicking off on thursday in brazil the return like happening next week definitely a lot to speak about today here when any vision i'm happy that we were able to do that uh today with the super classic and so on so it's another great way to close out another great episode what i mean vision for myself Roberto rojas fede perez and maria Britos. thank you so much for listening in see you soon